Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Hey, guys, why don't we eat? Dear, don't call the boss. I'll have your spam. I love it. I'm having spam, spam, spam. Cornflakes. 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 An fancy point. Suit you, sir. Spam, 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 baked beans, spam, 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 and spam. I said I don't want any damn vegetables. Lentils are really good, you know? Mmm, forbidden donut. It's Triple R. We're here for you. We're broadcasting from the corner of beautiful downtown East Brunswick. And uh, I'm very, very happy to look across and I see Matt Steadman. Oh, g'day, Cam Smith. G'day, mate. How are you on this nondescript Sunday? Are you well? Um, I have thoughts of soup. Oh, and luckily Kent isn't here because he would say, define a soup. Yes, there's often off-air arguments around whether a bowl of cornflakes is in fact a soup. A soup, yes. indeed. But um, <laughs> being a very, very... Did you notice the cold? You're quite... Um, I'd have to say you're one of those people that has, I think, marvellous circulation. And he's showing it off now doing this I've little... Got no, I've got no grapes. sleeves on, peeps. I've just got my T-shirt on. You do. I've got pants on too. I stress. Yes, um, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, that's good. But it is. It's just in that. It's in that little bit where it's just a bit too warm for a coat, and it's a bit too cool to not have something. So, um, us Melbournians, anyway, well, well used to these conundrums. I would say the wind chill mm. is significant, and I would say <laughs> that uh, a warming bowl of something, yes, warming food, yes, uh, could be the theme for the day. And who else better? And to talk about that, just to pull recipes out of here, from hither, yes, and thither. A <laughs> <laughs> great cooking duo. Um, we had to have um, the doyen of cuisine, of Italian cuisine, of cooking, of cooking books, of TV, uh, of restaurants. I mean, wow! What a what a high achiever we have, Karen Martini. Uh, I, I can, in the house, or shall be. I can barely see you in the studio cam over the top of this new book. It is a huge book she's just released. Yes, it is like you could build a wall. You could. Yes. I was getting fit with it earlier just by lifting it. It's called Cook. It's just called Cook. All uppercase, thank you. Yes. That's what um, Karen says in her in- intro. Right. Thank you. Uh, it is... Um, oh, it's quite a tome. I mean, 912 pages and... Um, She's come a long way from her first cook, which I think was called, was it Feast, way back in 2008? Where, 2006. No, Where the Heart Is uh, mm-hmm. was, uh, do you remember that one? No. Oh, yeah, we, we were here, we were doing yeah. it. We would have, I think we probably had her in. Uh, but anyway, Karen's coming in and we're going to talk to her about 
this incredible. This is a magnum opus. When you said – you and I were talking about this book a few weeks ago and we saw it was about to be launched and mm. and I said, I'm not sure, Cam. I've got a lot of cookbooks and I'm not sure I have a, a, a lot of space on my cookbook shelf and – you, you pause for a I, second. I, I did, and I just looked at you with a, with pretty much a steely gaze. And what did I say? You said, "Make space, make room." <laughs> it is that kind of book. You just got to have sure it. I'm sure you can find something. That, yes, you know, maybe that old surfing the menu with Curtis Stone. You might be able to get rid of that one, for instance. Yeah. And, uh, yes, make space. I have. Two words. Mm. So, anyway, Karen's coming in, yep. uh, which is really, really good. And um, I was uh, at Acme. Yes. Uh, I actually added Hero, too. I'll be talking to Karen about that. Yes. Um, and uh, saw the premiere of um, Yost Backer's film. Actually, it's not but Yost Backer's. It's done by Madman. Mm. Um, Yost knows all the producers and ins and outs of that. But mm. it documents... The greenhouse and how it came to be, uh, what preceded it in Yost's mind on um, ideas of a a house that sustains you, that has a yes. good footprint, um, and that doesn't poison the environment. And the greenhouse, if you missed it, was the future food system that was there in Fed Square for what six months? I think it was there, something like Boy, that. Was more than that, longer than that even. Yeah, oh, it was longer because they were doing the dinners first. Yeah, up and, and they went right through lockdown. No, it was there for about two and a half years, I think. And as you say, the intent was um, a, a self-sustainable. Three things. Three things. So uh, one is uh, one that has well low carbon footprint. Yep. Um, a house that is. Bushfire resistant, which I think is a very, very important thing. Um, A house that feeds you and is low impact on the environment. Yep. Yep. I learned a lot going through there. And you could learn a lot too. If you missed the actual uh, greenhouse installation, you can see this film. uh, Yeah, but maybe a little bit of a proviso. Right. Yes. Uh, Yost is on the road. Oh, today, yes. We're yeah, hoping... so he's in, he was at the... No, where is he? I didn't tell me. He'd wake up in Wodonga for some reason. But um, uh, anyway, he's uh, on the road through Riverina. He could be around Wagga, so... And we have faith in this country's telecommunications network. I just pray that he's not with Vodafone. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's with Telstra. I hope he's with an expensive yeah, monthly plan. Yeah, yeah. I hope his monthly plan is strong. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to talk to him... Uh, and then we're going to have a really good long chat with Karen. Uh, can't wait to see her. I've yep. even got her um, a special little treat, which we haven't um, dug into yet. Mm-hmm. And and how are you doing out there in uh, in Radio Land? I hope your uh, your Sunday is going well. Just a little heads up, and maybe mm. just to prepare you uh, to the fact that. In two weeks' time, it's going to be Radiothon. Radiothon 2022. Yes, yes. So, um, that's probably about all we really need to say. Yes. You know the the drill. Yes. We'll probably go to our Radiothon meeting. Yes. I think, where we'll get fed pizza and (laughs) get G'd up. Our one compulsory meeting of the year. Looking forward to it already. Yeah, it is um, 12.09 here on 3 Triple RFM. Um, Maddie, you wanted to do something uh, a little bit of what's, what's that, that in your, your mouth? mouth? Yes, what's that in your mouth? Where Matt and I talk and uh, and uh, masticate through the uh, the great meals that we've had during our week previous, and uh, you've been out eating it up. I was lamenting uh, a lament the other week. Uh, it's been a long time, I said, since I've had a really good pizza. And um, okay, well, I, I had visions of bagpipes, but I just no, crossed no, them out now. No, yeah, no, no, no so bagpipes in the vicinity. <clears throat> and obviously, we mentioned a few weeks ago, um, Super Maxi's now closed. It still one fewer places in Melbourne to get good pizza. Um, I would yeah. suggest one of my absolute favorite. If you, if you, if you were where I was uh, earlier on, where I just wanted a bloody good margarita with a good base. This isn't, this isn't, it's not with tequila we're talking. No, this no. is the, uh, the, pizza. the Italian pizza. Yep. Um, I would commend to you, as we have before, uh, to go to Ombra on Burke Street in the city. So part of the Florentino, the Group. Grossi empire there. To um, like a compound. 
Yes. It's the grossy compound yes. on, on the hill. It's part of that. Um, yeah. But it is super reliably good, and it's one of my absolute favourite pizzas in town. Um, so it's, it's also one of my favourite restaurant interiors. It's good, isn't it? Um, in just simplicity, no glitz, uh, but just so comfy. Mm-hmm. Um, polished concrete floor uh, walls. Yep. Uh, floors. Uh, stools to sit on, which are very, very comfy. And in the same way as if you're lucky enough to sit in a bonquette, uh, if you get to a restaurant, if you get the one against the wall, the, the walls are upholstered in leather. <laughs> you just lean up and against you just them. lean up against yeah. them, and it's great. But uh, you did say that you. it depends on whose playlist might be on. Yeah, the music might need a bit of work. Yeah, but okay. other than that, so that's Ombra on Burke Street in the city. What makes this pizza great? Uh, excellent base, well-cooked. And uh, a good choice of toppings. The crust is everything. The crust is everything. You live and die by the crust. <laughs> really, you do. I was quite excited to learn also, I think, because obviously over COVID, um, every uh, response hours were impacted, whereas Ombra is back open now, I think, on certainly on Saturday afternoons for lunch. So it's open most evenings. Mm. Um, I think it might also now be open on Sundays as well. Oh, that'd be Maybe. nice. That'd be um, nice. Um, a certain amount of this leads us in with... Uh, we have a good serving of Schadenfreude, mm, yes. um, a, a German term for what happened in Italy, where an American multinational company, <laughs> who with the greatest, I mean, really, the greatest, <laughs> I mean, guys, the, you, you, you're going to do what? It's like, you know, Coles to Newcastle. <laughs> the American Domino's brand thought, you know what we're going to do? We're going to expand into we're Italy. We're going to kick down the walls of Italy and serve <laughs> pizza to the Milanese. Yeah, deep dish, th- thick crust. What's that? You know, they put the oh, shit they put in the, the, the crust. Oh, they put the weird plastic cheese in there. Yeah, yeah the cheese. <laughs> anyway. Cut a long story short, they uh, we've we've much bleeding and hemorrhaging and um, contusions. They they left pretty much with their tails between their legs, and uh, and fled the market after losing just bucket loads of money. And okay, the reason they thought it was going to be valid was mm-hmm. they thought, look, we've got a better delivery model than the Italians do. But, oh, I read about this. Yeah, they yeah, thought they were hanging their hats on that, delivery. Yeah. That was the thing. And, and I sort of looked at that and went, yeah, but it's still, compared to a great Italian pizza, kind of dubious. You yes. know? I think I'm not being slanderous and there, the am other, I? The other thing am too, I being slanderous? No, I, I think you're absolutely right. Thank you. Uh, and the other thing, the irony, I think, of delivery pizza is that a good pizza doesn't travel very well at all. It, you need to consume it straight out of the oven. Ten so, minutes. If you whack it in a box and put it on the back of a scooter and drive it across town, it's not going to be as good. And especially if you're making it out of, you know, the the very high-protein flour, really strong flour, which is what you should do and, of course, prove it for over 48 hours, is it does. It gets tough quick. Yeah. You know, it toughens up. And quite apart from that, of course, who would have thought Italians would actually want to eat Domino's? It's very strong shades, you and I were saying, of when Starbucks tried to take over the inner North Melbourne market. And oddly, no one wanted a caramel large mocha frappuccino. With hazelnut syrup. With hazelnut syrup. <laughs> no. No, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, well, you know, this, uh, there's a couple of things Melburnians can be really, really proud of. One is um, resisting Starbucks and American-style coffee, um, which I suppose must be valid in some area, mm. I guess, you know, I'm trying to be magnanimous about it. But because of that, um, how McDonald's had to pivot and uh, Melbourne was the very, very first place where a Mac Cafe happened. And yeah. that's that's gone global. Yeah. So, you know, because of our mastery of coffee and our love of coffee and our understanding of what real coffee is, mm-hmm. a multinational fast food had to adapt and one just ran away. <laughs> So you know, what a shame. Yeah, what a shame. Now, was there anything else that we wanted to bring up? Um, oh, we were going to talk about veg and salad prices are starting to stabilise. That's good news. It is. You've still got to be. I, my uh, opinion is you've still got to be very careful. Look at the price tag. So it's like things like green beans still very expensive. Oh yeah, well, yeah. Uh, yes. Just yeah. Just what was the highest you saw? 
Highest I saw for a half kilo of green beans was I think sort of thirty dollars or something. Insane. For a half kilo. Yeah. It was a lot. I think it's down to fifteen now. Um, but still, yeah. So it's about th- the highest I saw was thirty five bucks a kilo, and I think um, it was per kilo. Then I was I was looking at potential, yeah. and yeah. and lettuces are, are still continuing to slowly restore back to normal prices, but still very expensive. But um, my my big tip on that one is just wait. You yeah. know, the, as John said last week at the market, you know, the iceberg lettuce is you know not the greatest lettuce really. Yeah, I mean it's crunchy. Does that? But yeah, I mean, it, you can yeah. still get bags of spinach at the, you know, which is far better for you. And maybe just save the Sanchoy bow for another couple of months until prices are uh, back to normal. Yeah, Sanchoy bow, you've just sent me. <laughs> mm. there, there are some dishes where the yes. iceberg is just, it's, you can't replace it with anything. Is de rigueur. All right, well, it is uh, 12. Oh, sorry, I thought so you, so you put your hand up. I thought that was the signal of. <laughs> Maybe we should move into a, um, a song. Let's do that anyway. I will send you that signal. Well, was there something else I wanted to actually say? Oh, I'm going to talk to, about this with Karen. But, uh, you know, we associate, you know, great, great dishes. And I was lucky mm. enough to go to um, Cumulus. Yes. Cumulus Up mm-hmm. for Tom Serafian's. Um, he's doing some feasts there. I think he oh. might be doing his last one. Um, upstairs there today. I actually prefer that room to the downstairs part of Cumulus. Oh, it's beautiful. If you're lucky enough to beautiful. have been to either, uh, yeah, I kind of like the vibe upstairs better. Yeah, and if you haven't uh, know who Tom Serafian is, um, what is Tom? Is it um, this um, Assyrian Egyptian? But he also he makes the greatest hummus in the free world. <laughs> uh, which and there's hummus ninja. Yeah, he's the hummus ninja. The black belt. And, and there is this dish that. There's iconic dishes in Melbourne. I'd say like Movita with the anchovy with the mm-hmm. smoked tomato sorbet. Um, I would uh, also say now Karen Martini's mm-hmm. uh, tarama with the Greek bagel mm-hmm. is another one of those yes. those dishes. And the other one is Tom Serafian's incredible turban of hummus with in the middle is... Oh, my God, I'm, just, I'm going crazy just thinking about this. Spanner crab and prawns sort of cooked in butter and, and really basey Middle Eastern spices. Yeah, right. I got to have that last weekend. <laughs> oh, my Lord, I was uh, in a happy place. I had a um, very good buddy of mine, Fiona Brook, who um, I was supped with or lunched with. And, uh, yeah, it was just an amazing thing. It is... Twelve eighteen. Uh, we're going to attempt to have a chat with Yoast on the road. Let's uh, keep our fingers crossed. Did I mention that we're delighted that you're here? Hmm. We are. Triple R on FM, digital, online, and via the app. Oh, this is good. I can see a lot of funk happening during Radiothon. It's going to be uptown. Mm-mm. It's my kind of Radiothon. <laughs> Yeah, and Mr. Gills, of course, too. Mm. You are listening to 3 Triple R, where all the twos have lined up. It's 12, 22, and 22 seconds. Well, it was, but it isn't now. Um, that was Aretha, a little bit of Aretha for you to shake your, fa- your tail feather, mm. too. And uh, on the road, he's, uh, he's left the dong. He's on the big highway. I think heading towards Wagga. We have Yost Backer. Yost, where are you on the road? We've arrived in Wagga Wagga. Mm-hmm. I remember my dad once, many years ago, when he was still, we were new Australians, and uh, we were driving in the Riverina going to Cootamundra, and my dad said, is Wagga Wagga Wagga? <laughs> and and he was actually quite sincere, but my mum and I nearly fell out of the car because we thought it was hysterical. So, yes, Wagga Wagga is Wagga. What are you doing in Wagga? We're on our way to Byron Bay. Um, oh. Ruby yeah. is uh, going to work for Matt in his new place called You Beauty, right? Oh, my God. Congratulations, yeah. Ruby. Uh, so, wow, that's great. Hi, Ruby. Um, so that, that, of course, would be Matt Stone that we're talking of. And where is Matt Stone working? He's opened a new place called New Beauty in Bangalore. In Bangalore, wow. Yeah. That sounds... So I'm 
dying to see it. We hope to get there Monday night. Well, gosh, there's a, a, a great collaboration that has gone on for many, many years there. I mean, Matt Stone really is part of the family with, uh, with you guys and, uh, and is also an integral part of a movie that we saw yesterday, which uh, premiered, and I was uh, very thankful for the invitation, Yost. And uh, maybe, good. maybe yeah. you might want to tell us a little bit about the movie and what it was all about. Yeah, so Paul Wigard who, and Nick Batsius, who are the Mad Men, um, Good Thing production guys, we met, I don't know, it would probably be eight years ago. Yeah, you said it was and a while ago. Really, yeah, they were really keen to, to, they were really into the idea of the greenhouse and into what it was all about. So we started plotting, and originally it was supposed to be in Callista, but a, I just could not get a permit to do it there. So At a, at a gas station. Um, yeah, the old petrol station in Callista. Mm. And, uh, but, yeah, in 2018, uh, Fed, Fed Square approached me and said, would you like to come back and do another greenhouse? And that's, that's how Future Food System came about. And, um, and this, uh, this film crew came, came in and uh, um, documented it. And I must say, it was, a, it was a pretty impressive presentation. Beautifully shot. Yeah, I was, I was yeah, I, I really, uh, you know, my passion for sustainable materials and, um, you know, the greenwash that goes on. I think the, the film highlights how much greenwash there is. <laughs> going on and that you need to question dig a little bit deeper than just checking whether something is certified or not and about the food system but ultimately what the film really portrayed was how the how much talent exists around us here in melbourne especially you know there's so many it was a true collaboration of whether it was about food or chefs but the people that grow food the people that create technology that grows food the people that create building materials out of uh crop residue from food and you know that for me was probably my favorite thing watching you know uh not everything succeeded um but everybody worked really hard together to try and you know create what i you know what i tried to realize which is like to prove that you could grow enough food where you live and um yeah i'm really really um, you know it was a it was a really stressful time and we discussed that last night after the show as well that you know we Matt Joe and I are part of uh, and Lou you know we're part of a hospitality scene here in Melbourne and it mm. was um, the project we started it five days before the first lockdown and um, it was really just so stressful you know and and the, the mood in Melbourne was so bad you know you're in hospitality because you're you're a hospitable person you love being around people and suddenly that whole community was just locked up and not able to do anything and, and not knowing when you could reopen and and that of course proved made it really difficult for us to do what we wanted to do with the project as well and not knowing um, when we could do get people through, you know it. I mean how many tours did you do? But we you know, we had hope to have started that a lot earlier and mm. So, you, you know, know you've really got a sense, sense of that with the film, I think, you know, watching that footage of inner Melbourne with no one in it, you know, dead quiet, the roads empty and, yeah. Well, you know, what are the, there's a couple of things that really come to mind with that. One is the fact that um, one of, I, I see one of your great strengths is, well, you have amazing amount of strengths, uh, uh, arrows to your quiver, but... Uh, uh, you're a great visionary, but also such a great collaborator, and you, you've gave people a platform and an ability for all these different um, experts in their field to shine and make a really, really valued contribution. So, you know, for instance, uh, you know the the person who was. Uh, uh, about the uh, power, how you power the place, uh, the aquaponics systems that went in. There was um, there was great collaborations there um, with the kitchen and construction, and it was a whole group of what um, a good buddy of mine would call LMIs, 
and uh, yep. that is like-minded individuals. I think I've told you this, that LMI thing enough times that I think it's in there now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, and that's it, it's that's all the greenhouses have been like that. You know, that's how I've hooked up with Matt originally. You know, the, mm. this is the fifth one. Like the first one, we were at Acme last night and the first greenhouse opened there 14 years ago, almost to the day of the film premiere, you know, and, and each, each project um, is like a magnet for like-minded people and you create these really long friendships and it ultimately just stimulates creativity and you end up in a completely different place to where you expect it to end up. And that's my favourite. That's my favourite thing about being creative is that, you know, you, you don't... You, you, it's about the journey and you don't want to know where you end up because, you want, because you, then you limit yourself. It's about um, the potential of new ideas. Well, one of the great honours I had was being able to do that collaboration with you and uh, Matt and Joe certainly showed off uh, the design ethos and uh, the criteria of the place and I got to do it uh, as well to a whole bunch of people and school kids too, which was a lot of fun. Um, And you could really see so many people were so thankful at the end going, when you have people genuinely saying to you, this was so inspiring, and especially when, like, you know, a, a 13, 14-year-old child looks up to you and says that to you, as well as the oldsters yeah. as well, that makes your day. It really, really does. And it gives you some sort of hope for the future in this revolution that, as you explained to me, that we are actually in the middle of. Yeah, and and it's not, uh, you know, I know that there's a lot of negativity and and a lot of uh, hopelessness around our situation because of what we see and what we hear and what we read. But I think we're actually on the verge of the complete change where so many more people, that this this, uh, the most important thing for a human is to have a sense of purpose. And there's lots of people that don't feel like they've got a sense of purpose. And I think that there's a really good opportunity here to create urban food systems that engage and utilize skills and get people involved. And and that, to me, is the most exciting thing. And it's not a new concept. I mean, you can go to places where that's this, this concept. Australian Aboriginals relied on their elders for certain tubers and certain medicinal plants, you know. Mm-hmm. And whether it's elders or people that, like I've got this philosophy that one in three people oh, should yes. be growing up food. Because yes, there's the one in three. That was, uh, you kind of like this, Matt, that uh, when you look at a group of people and you say, well, all right, we need to garden. And, yeah, one in three people is the one who's really interested in doing it. And the others, you just kind of leave them. And they can do other things that are useful, right? Yeah. And that's kind of with this idea. You know, I'm not saying that I think every house on earth should have an aquaponics system. And I think every house on earth should have, like, a rooftop garden. And, and But that doesn't mean that you're the one that might be looking after those fish. It could be your neighbour or it could be somebody two, day, two doors down. And, again, it reconnects and creates that sense of community, which I think we've kind of lost. And um, the time is right now to do that because we all know that we need to change our food system. And it's mm. so much better and so much tastes so much better and it's fresh and and. You know, you just get layer up on layer of benefit. And um, it really excites me. Flavour and nutrition. Uh, What's the name of the movie, Yoast? Greenhouse by Yoast. Catchy. And I think it comes out in cinemas in November. Yeah. And and the great thing is that uh, um, proof of concept for me uh, was, well inhabiting the space for quite a while. Um, But uh, for ages, you were saying, look, one of the great things about this building is it's reverse engineered and there are no footings, there are no foundations in there. And that has been completely proved because if you look at the Fed Square site, which is on Birong Ma, that is on the Yarra, uh, there is murder tape around it uh, still, <laughs> uh, but just a, a little line around it. But you, you should see it, Matt. There's, uh, it's green grass now. You wouldn't know it had been there. Yeah. Proof. No, 
it's um, I, I really love that idea that you know you're not disturbing the ground in any way, shape, or form. No, you didn't. It was great. Um, we'll leave you to uh, uh, make your way to Byron. Uh, Ruby, do say hi to Matt Stone for me. Will do. Thank you very, very much. And, and you too, Yost. And uh, are you guys going to, uh, Yost, are you going to stay up there for a couple of days or are you doing the, the quick turnaround? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm going to, no, no, I'm uh, coming back on Thursday. Oh, um, good on you. Yeah, Matt, <clears throat> oh, Matt good on you. just happens to be up, up there too, so he's going to, we're going to come back together. So, oh, that sounds great. Yeah. Cam, I want to thank you for your constant support for this project as well. And, uh, you know, we really appreciate it. And, uh, it's, you know, especially Joe, Matt and I, we just, um, yeah, it's been awesome to have you in our home. Well, I love um, doing work with you. I've said that a few times. You've been going, I really like working with you too. And I think I said, let's do more together. So uh, I look forward to that. It's 12.35 here on Triple R. Happy trails. Enjoy Byron and uh, do good work there, Ruby. <laughs> See you, Cam. See you. There they are on the road to Byron. Mm. Bit of rain coming there, I think. No, oh, yeah. bit of rain everywhere. Bit of rain everywhere. Uh, but it's not going to be raining in our hearts when no. we have Karen Martini in the studio, which is going to be happening uh, very, very soon. Uh, someone who epitomises the cucina, the hospitality, the generosity within and uh, the way that she feeds people. Truly profundo. Triple R. Karen Martini. Hello. (laughs) It's been many moons. It has been many, many, too many moons. few books. I saw Michael (laughs) yesterday. He said, you be nice to Karen. I was going, boom. Why? I said, well, I'm not going to ask you string theory or quantum mechanics. And he said, oh, oh, she knows that. That's <laughs> that's okay. Just just be nice because uh, it's been a tough, long time. And seeing what you've created, my God, it's, uh, I don't know, how on earth did you find the time to do this? Cook, your magnum opus. Yeah, it I, is your magnum opus. I'd have to agree with you. I don't know how I found the time. Looking no. back, now seeing it printed, but I did, you know, um, six years, five yeah. and a half years in the making. Maybe you could say, you know, a 30-year career reflected in in these 912 pages. You're, yeah, it's your life of cooking and in the kitchen and the cucina because uh, we were, Matt and I were trying to work out, I think it's your 11th or 12th book, and the first one we spoke about was, what have we got here? Where the heart is in way back in 2006, is that right? Uh, Something like that? No, I've, well, when would it have come out? I don't know. Uh, it was 15, You've done a lot of books. 15 years ago, Where the Heart Is. That's where the Heart long. Is. Yeah, and I think we're up to about, This is. is number nine only, I think. Well, I think a few compilations, you reckon? Yeah, no, I think it counted because I did a quick little Google search. Lost and track. Yeah, well, isn't that great that, um, that you've been able to do that? So I wanted to, first of all... Um, congratulate you on that. That's, you know, the Dorothy Dixer, of course. But Matt and I have chatted about what makes Karen Martini's books so special. Do you want to take over, Matt, and sort of... Well, I know it sounds glib, but it's mm. just... I've always said that Karen's books, the recipes work. They work. Like, they're just... Yeah. They're, they're, there's, there's nothing secretive about them, but they're also very approachable. That's a that's a good thing they work. It is. Well, it's, it's, the, it's a good that's start. The aim of the game. The yeah, aim of okay. the game is to have the recipes work. And look, I can but, honestly but, say every recipe in this book I've tested three times. Karen, Karen is saying stabbing the book with her finger, going this. Yeah, well, because we, we didn't think we were going to make the, this this deadline either. <laughs> I have, but it has been the experience of this show and of others that I have spoken with that there are a lot of cookbooks out there where well, you never know. Some egotistical chefs who don't really want you to create what they're doing might omit certain um, certain ingredients in their recipe. Yes. <laughs> proven, proven. Look, there are no secrets with me. The aim, yeah. I, I really want you to be able to cook this my way at least once mm. and then you take it down your own path by yes. making it your own. But it is really important. That's, but it's a book. 
it's a it's a it's I'm giving away the recipe for you to create something quite similar to what I've made at home. Yeah, that's and, the idea. Yeah, and, with and, a recipe. And there you go. And you said oh, you've done each one of them three times. I have. Yeah, three times. And there's 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 forty five percent of the recipes in here are, are sort of relatively new. And then there is all – I've cherry-picked a lot of the dishes that I've loved dearly over the years. Yes. Uh, but it is – it's about taking recipes for me that are often sometimes in a commercial kitchen. It's a very different thing to cooking at home. So you need to tweak and tinker those recipes to the point where I'm going to take someone from A to B, the quickest, easiest path, yep. but with the best result. Yeah, I like it. The quote from the introduction um, to this is sort of the mission statement. Um, a book like this can never be truly definitive, but hopefully it is interesting, informative, helpful, and the best thing of all, inspiring. Inspiring? Inspiring. With constantly delivering good flavour. Yeah. I want to teach people how to build flavour into their lives. Yes. Especially if um, they haven't cooked before much, then... I hope this book will take you sort of by the hand. You feel me on your shoulder when you're reading the recipes. Mm, like I'm right here, there. It's going to yeah. be okay. Uh, or if you already are quite skilled in the kitchen, hopefully this can have you spreading your wings further. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there is so much here. And um, let's get the inevitable comparisons out the way, shall we? We okay. can do. Okay, so if we uh, look back over the years... Um, I think the signposts along the road, hmm. Well, first of all, uh, we got a nod, uh, a a bit of a nod to ACP. Kerry Packer, believe it or not. Yeah, you didn't think I was going to go there, did you? No, I did not see that coming. No, and the reason why (laughs) That's why we love Cam Smith. Yeah, here we go, but check this out. You went three times I've done each one of these these recipes. What was great about ACP uh, was the fact that they had... A test kitchen. So each one of those recipes, they were guaranteed because they had people that cooked through them. So they were foolproof. And they were they were tested all up. No one affords that anymore. <laughs> yeah, but you managed it in three times. Okay, now we'll get to the obvious thing that you were expecting, the Dorothy Dixon that was coming through. There are two tomes that this builds up from. One, of course, I think is Maggie Beer. Uh, the great, great, great Maggie Beer and um, all the contribution that she's mm. made to the Cucina of Australia uh, with her beautiful, beautiful book. And then, of course, we have the Bible, the the Gospel according to St. Stephanie. The and only other book you need in the kitchen. The only other <laughs> You see, you've moved on that pretty quick. That's good. Um, and this is the only other book you need in the kitchen and well, her book. did yeah. you hear the beginning of the show? Did you hear the beginning no, of the I, show? I, and uh, I said to Matt, I gave him advice. What did you say about your library? I, when we discussed this book, it's, oh, you know, I've already got so many cookbooks and I've, got, mm. I've, I've only got a, a single shelf and, a, mm-hmm. and Cam just said... Make room no, for this. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, you know what? I what? don't think this book deserves to be on a shelf. It needs to be right next to where you the cook kitchen. all the time. I want to see it splattered, burnt, a yeah. patina <laughs> yes. of a life's cooking you yeah. know, or even a couple of weeks cooking. <laughs> yes. That's what needs to, to happen to this book, well-thumbed and oiled. Yeah, so. and but the evolution of this book as opposed to Stephanie – is the fact that there's so many strings and threads that you draw from mm. the cuisines of the Asian cuisine. Let's just say I have an obsession for, with a lot of different um, countries, cultures, food cultures of the world. And, you, really and, and you, you, and in doing that, you reflect society, Australian society as a whole, because um, we now, if we go down the uh, the Asian food aisle. It's amazing what you can get now, and the amount of Asian greens that you get. Even mm. if you if you're shopping under the fluorescent lights of the supermarket, you know you can get gailan, you can get bok choy, you can get a whole myriad array of like coriander isn't just for mm. guacamole anymore. No, I think that if you went back like ten to twelve years ago, mm. even yeah. you the, the shelves, the supermarket shelves would look very different. Well, oh, they yeah. did look very different. But so did our cooking routine. Yeah. Like modern Australia, 
once these flavours in now, yeah, we do make a stir fry or mm. I will have steamed ginger greens yeah. or let's make a fur yeah. or whatever it may be. But back then that wasn't part of the repertoire. Or we'll have like, oyster sauce in yeah, the, yeah. you know, in the in the. There was one soy fridge. and it was kickerman on the shelf somewhere. Oh, yeah, and, then, and then now we have, a you know, well, an array of sauces well, I remember when choices. there was Master Foods. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that was about it. Yeah. But, uh, and you're right, We all the Asian greens and herbs and, uh, you know, lemongrass by the stick in the supermarket. Yeah. It, when yeah. did that happen? Well, yeah, uh, well uh, pretty relatively recently, mm. I, I would say. And then um, you certainly reflect that. So uh, uh, congratulations on that. How big is it? Can we call, just is it worth quantifying? Two point three kilo. Yep, thank you. Weighed it. Yes, <laughs> would take about an hour and a half in the oven. No, only yes. joking. Um, let's say nine hundred twelve pages. Yeah, forty eight pages uh, of the, the bloody index. The the kitchen essentials and another oh, forty for the index. 40, no, forty nine. Nine. Oh, sorry, yeah. I stand corrected. Yeah, no, no, uh, no forty seven uh, pages for the index. Um, the the uh, your ingredients and um, the essentials of the kitchen. That is yeah. a great section too. This is normally at the back of books uh-huh. sometimes, and yes. not quite as deep and thorough. Mm. There are recipes even woven through the essentials, and yep. it's just about letting you know what you could start with in the kitchen that's going to make it easier mm. along the way. Mm. Um, and in ingredients, instead of of course you could Google all these things, but you're going to get a myriad of answers. Mm. Um, I think there's a I hope there's a certain amount of trust there with my filter and my you know take on things. Can't trust everything that comes. No, you out can't. Of and then you go, oh well, which one am I choosing here? So, no. um, I think choose Cam. <laughs> choose Cam. Choose yeah. choose KM. Yeah. Um, I just think yeah, you need some sort of guidance there that sort of kicks you off in the right direction, and that's why it's at the front of the book, yeah. not the back. Yeah. And another thing is, um, there's a really good voice in this book too, and. Even though it's very, very, very different, um, so far as just as a a reading and an experience, just to absorb information. Um, when I was a kid, I was pretty obsessed with food, and um, I discovered this book called Larousse Gastronomique, and it was an encyclopedia, and it was like it was like really dry. Um, but great but, reading, wasn't it? But it was, yeah. I love like, it too. <laughs> it was all about food. It was like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm, I was reading about Cassoulet and, you know, the holy trinity of Cassoulets mm. and, um, and and had recipes in it as well. And um, it was... Decent read, It's definitely. a decent read. And it was one of those great Sunday afternoon, rainy Sunday afternoon books or just you mm. could just go in and you would learn things. And this is the same, I would say. Oh wow! What that's just that's fabulous, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> to be compared to yeah. the Ruth, oh, amazing. Uh, oh. Matt, Matt's going at that stage. We we Thought probably he means should... handcuffs. No. <laughs> yeah. Put these on, <laughs> Matt. Such a well-oiled machine. After after thirty years of doing this together, Cam. Uh, we'll be back after this. Give us some news. Triple. Beautiful moment of uh, synchronised putting on headphones there. Well done, everyone. You all did that exactly the same time. If you've just tuned in, you are listening to Triple R. The name of the show is Eat It. I've got uh, Matt's here with me. My name's Cam Smith and Karen Martini's here and she's uh, produced something absolutely extraordinary. It's the biggest cookbook you've ever seen. Well, it's certainly up there. How many kilos was it again? 2.3 <laughs> two kilos. 2.3 kilos. You could get two of them, the pink yep. and, and the charcoal colour, and you could, if you've eaten a little bit too much, you could use yeah. it as part of your exercise routine. Or Just you could, you know, chop the door open with it. It's uh... Keep it keep it moving. Um, the uh, We spoke about the Asian threads within a signpost as uh, how much we've changed and evolved as a society. Um, I had a, a, a bit of a... Uh, subsection, and I sort of uh, put it through Matt as well. In a lot of um, the skippies out there um, and uh, general population, there is a fear of fish. There is, isn't there? Mm. Especially a fear of fish cooking it at home. Hello. Just really scares a lot. Or they just find it confronting and they don't want to be disappointed. Yep, and they don't want to overcook it. They've invested 
and then they don't want to. They don't want to really muck it up. These yeah. things don't grow on trees, you know. Um, I think one of the best ways of you know, they don't grow on trees. Thank you. Um, I, there's, I think there's three different chapters on you know how I how I deal with fish at home. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And how, and my love of seafood overall, uh, or four chapters: fish, crustaceans, shellfish, and cephalopods. Ah, the cephalopods. I the love us. The, the old cephalopod. God, that reminds me of Iron Chef. We, <laughs> what we had to do to get a cephalopod. But um, uh, cephalopod, calamari being, of course, people. be um, octopuses, <laughs> calamari. Uh, what's your favourite cephalopod? I just had a cure. Cuttlefish. Yeah. Cuttlefish. Um, in a risotto or in pasta? I like it braised in ink. Ink in a nero. Or really shaved finely or diced chunkily and flash cooked. Yeah. So it's one of those things. It's either fast, yes. super fast, or, or really slow. Or slow, yeah. slow, 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 slow. I, I love yeah. there's, a, there's a thing about um, uh, dishes a la nero where you um, you put the, the squid ink mm. in. And apparently, I don't know if this is true, but I thought it was great when um, I heard it. An Italian looked at me and he said, yeah, "El Nero is fantastico because it is like eating death, oh, but <sighs> flavoursome at that." Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it is like eating yeah, death. Profundo. Yes, and, and your teeth look like that too. Yeah, well, it's good. It's good. You should it's have. It's really of... one of those things that you try and avoid on a you know mm. first date type snack, or you make a beeline for one or the other. Twelve fifty four here on Triple R, but let's just help Matt out because Matt here has said I've never actually cooked a, a whole fish. Well, I was in terms of my fear of fish, as you were saying, I think I'm on my L plates because fish yeah. fillets are totally fine. You don't know how to cook. No, do you like just... fish? I do like fish. Yeah, but I've never been bold enough to get a whole fish. Is it because it has the head attached? Like no, I think it's probably just my lack of. Uh, a confidence in my own ability to either fill it up myself or just serve it whole Ooh. and know what to do with it. You just yeah. walked into the trap. Mm. <laughs> Go on. First of all. First of all. Um, <laughs> I know one can. of the best ways to cook fish at home, but if you have never done a whole fish before, maybe we shouldn't start with the larger fish that feeds four to six <laughs> people. Family, yeah. so no. not, 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 not the giant old man snapper. No, because, well, I love a salt bake. Because mm. you can just basically make the salts mix, yeah. lay a bed down, put the fish in it, and you've literally, locked in and everything. then put put the rest of the salt mix on top on a flat tray. The oven's heated to a certain temperature. You pop it in. It cooks for a certain time. Then it comes out. It rests. So it gives you time to make your salad and do the rest of it. And then you can crack open the crust and it doesn't really matter how you pull the flesh off the bones because all of it is just succulent and delicious and it's still steamingly hot even though you've pulled it out of the oven 20 minutes ago. So um, that is one of my – and the salt just adds – because it seals and steams almost. It's cheap as chips to actually do. And it's a great – Great, super great method. So that recipe is king in here. Yep. And there's another great recipe of snapper, five, four, five, 450 gram or 400 gram whole snappers, pan fried, crushed cloves of garlic and bay leaves <clears throat> into the pan about halfway through browning the fish if you can manage to turn it over <laughs> um, in the pan. Matt's got that. Exceptional amount of olive oil in it and maybe yep. butter. Yep. And, and maybe I'm just going to state the, the obvious – um, the reason why, Matt, that you want a whole fish is that meat on the bone is way more succulent and delicious, and you actually it's much harder to overcook. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, actually, by getting it on the bone, will actually make it easier It'll for you. It'll save you. Yeah, save your bacon. Save your bakes. <laughs> it, it will. Um, this book is absolutely extraordinary in the fact. There's just so much in there and that you're going to be spending a long time just becoming aware of everything that's in there. And it will be one of those books that I think will, as you have it and as you delve into it, it will continue to inspire and delight and surprise you. It will transcend your skill level. Yeah. <laughs> it, will, it will take you a little further. I mean, I've even – people have been buying – I've done quite a few launches this week. Yeah. Lots yes. of people purchasing this book, even though they don't cook, but they love to read. Yes. There is a lot of rich reflection and lovely stories and um, detail and research, which we Marcus Ellis 
is behind me writing and did dig so much deeper to to enrich this book in every chapter. So you could sit and read and eventually those mm. that don't cook will find something that really grabs their attention and, and they'll resonates. have a go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they'll be quite surprised at what they achieve because those some of the simplest recipes in here are very, very easy and accessible. This is um, probably an unfair thing to ask with just a couple minutes left, but I'm just curious as to, um, looking back a, a long career of food, um, do you remember the first recipe you ever cooked? Wrote or cooked? Cooked. As a little Ratatouille. kid. Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Oh, what a great thing to get. I not lie to you. It's no. true. Yeah. Um, and you would have Scrambled eggs. Scrambled and eggs. And ratatouille. Yeah. Uh, next. And trying to, because there were always peppers and eggplants and tomatoes at our house. Yes. Um, through those summer months. And, and zucchini. In abundance. And then the zucchini as well. Um, it was only recently over the last, you know, 20 years that cooking it with a little bit of orange juice is, is the way to go with ratatouille, oregano, bay leaves, garlic and lots of olive oil. Yeah. Most delicious vegetable dish I still really enjoy every, you know, whenever the season is on. Um, and it's one of the first recipes I ever cooked. There it is. Uh, but it certainly will not be the last and it won't be the last for you, dear listener, because uh, this book is out... We're we're looking staring down the barrel going towards Christmas, so mm, uh, I'd be saying uh, do that. Uh, retail price it seems to be quite varied in in the price points that are sort of offered. There is a, a, a it's very different price points. It is, Look, isn't it's it? reg, reg, I mean the registered retail price is a hundred dollars, mm. but you will find it on at various different prices. Yeah, um, different. online and on shelf. But I don't know how that works. But you know what. As long as it's out there and being sold, it's absolutely fine. Gee, it's so lovely that you came in. Thank you, Karen, thank you for coming in. Thank you very much for having me. And, uh, and thank you for your continued work with uh, Hero and, of course, uh, on the TV as well. Yeah, it's a little bit of TV and the Good Weekend column. Beautiful. Still going. Next week we have uh, what I call the odd couple behind the stoves at the next hotel. Uh, Adrian Lee, Danny Natoli and uh, Duncan Buchanan. Tune in. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 